Tonight's Game of Thrones recap is sponsored by True Car. You know, there's something about True Car a lot of people don't know. Using True Car can help you buy a used car. In fact, there's over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from True Car certified dealers nationwide. Whether you're looking to buy new or used, you can get upfront pricing information that empowers discounts off the list price for used cars and a better buying experience through the True Car certified dealer network. You'll see what other people paid for the car that you want so you can know what a fair price is and you can feel confident. With True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing so you can enjoy a quick and easy car buying experience. And with True Car, you'll easily find the new car that you want. Best of all, True Car users have an average savings of over $3,000 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy that new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states or the Seven Kingdoms of Westeros. Game of Thrones Season 7, Episode 3 is over, but we're just getting started here on Game of Thrones Live, the post-show recap, and now we hear that you guys are actually quite good at brooding. I'm Rob Sister, and here's Stephen Fishback. Stephen, oh my God. Wow, what what a crazy episode. I mean, you had two big castle invasions, you know. I mean, neither of them was, you know, crazy, crazy castle invasions. So two castle invasions, lots of revenge, two poisonings. Uh, wow, what an episode. Yeah, it really was an exciting night. Don't bury the lead as well. I mean, there's like 10 leads, but John and Danny yeah. meet up. Bran returns to Winterfell. A huge night once again. A great ending scene between Jamie and Lady Elena. A lot to break down here on a night where really the, the theme of season seven has been this uh, Cersei rising and right. Danny uh, fall. I don't want to say falling, but not rising, certainly. I mean, I think we can say falling at this point. And you know what I have to say? Sell Danny stock. Sell, sell, sell. <laughs> yeah. I'm somewhat grateful that uh, all of these bad decisions we're criticizing every week, she, you know, th- they're having an impact, right? The Lannisters are like, yeah, she's making bad decisions. We're going to take advantage of that. She's doing uh, not such a great job, really. Uh, nobody having a, a worse run than Tyrion. Uh, more bad advice that he's coming up with. Uh, this plan to send the Unsullied to Casterly Rock turns out to be a, a huge bust. Tyrion really blowing it as Hand of the Queen. He's really the Reince Priebus of Dragon. Stone to get him out of there as chief yeah. of staff. They yeah. get a, she needs a, a general. Well, it's you know, and he was so sure that you know. I think maybe the issue is that the Lannisters are are growing, right? You know, you have this episode. The representative of the Iron Bank says to Cersei, "You know, you are your father's daughter." That's something she's been trying to prove this whole show. You know, this episode you have Jamie saying, "I learned from my mistakes." And conversely, you have Tyrion saying, I know my sister. She knows that I'm, she thinks I'm obsessed with, uh, taking, you know, destroying the Lannisters and destroying Casterly Rock. So you have kind of Tyrion working from this old conception of who her, of, of who, 
uh, his sister is. Wow, you see Cersei and Jamie really, really uh, evolving. Cersei's really got her groove back uh, so far <laughs> this season in a lot of different ways. All right, so uh, here we are on Facebook Live and streaming away. Uh, I've been hearing a lot of uh, from people that uh, maybe switch back to Google Hangouts. Uh, we may end up doing that. Again, I like to hear those comments over on postshowrecaps.com. Of course, first of three podcasts during the week. I will be having our deep dive with Josh Wiggler. We'll record that on uh, Monday evening. And then our feedback show later on in the week. Make sure you don't miss any of it when you subscribe to the podcast at postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. How you feel? You feeling good, Stephen? You ready to dive into this? This was such an epic episode. So many of these reunions that we've been looking forward to. I mean, and the media, you know, obviously the Danny Jon Snow one. I'm, I'm giddy to talk about it all. Okay. Well, let's talk about uh, the big plan to go to Casterly Rock, which ultimately results in the fall of Highgarden. And basically, this is the end of the line for the Tyrells. Tyrells are gone. They're no, no more Tyrells. We've got Randall Tarley kind of in the background, you know, not walking. growing stronger anymore. And, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. This is the end. You know, unless there's some random Tyrell off somewhere uh, who will, you know, in in one of the maybe maybe that's one of the spinoff series. You know, Lone Tyrell could be. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, this is yeah not this is the end of it for them and. Uh, Wow. Okay. Let's go work backwards and then uh, go start with that last scene with Jamie and Lady Elena. And Lady Elena always has been one of my favorite characters on yes. the show. And uh, that final scene with Jamie when uh, it looked like he was taking it easy on her and she ultimately gives up the reveal that it was she... Uh, she doesn't give up Littlefinger there, but she was responsible for the murder of Joffrey back at the Purple Wedding. First, um, what what does Jamie do with this information? You mean you think he's going to take it back? I mean, first of all, he well, seethes. There's a lot of like seething. He's you know, seething. Like, so, he's seething. Yeah. But Did, the important, I think, takeaway there is that if she is the person who poisoned Joffrey, then Tyrion did not poison Joffrey. Oh, that's an interesting. I mean, still, Tyrion did kill Tywin. Yes. I mean, that's that's an established fact. Right, right. But I do feel like that, you know, that he could, like, Tyrion and um, and uh, Jaime could, like, you know, Dad, look, Dad was a real heel, but I did not kill your son. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, they are working at cross-purposes. Uh, Tyrion is now serving the enemy of uh, the Lannisters, the person who is trying to destroy them. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be the fraternal healing that you may be suggesting that it is. Right. But it could open the door to a lot of different things where I think that that yeah. was the original sin, or at least not the original sin, but the unforgivable line was that he was the one that murdered Tyrion. I wonder how uh, if how Cersei's going to react to this news if Jamie reports that back to her. Cersei doesn't seem like the uh, model of equilibrium right now. No. You know, I don't think she's going to be, you know what, let's, let's give this guy a pass and, and make up. I think Cersei is in full revenge demon mode here. Okay. Now, Lady Elena tells Jamie, look, that she will be your undoing. She's a disease. Do you think any of that ends up sinking in for Jamie? It seems like he knows. You know, I, you know, he kind of has this attitude of, 
Yep, that's just the way it is. And I love her and I'm stuck with her, you know, and I nothing I can do about it. Like, wasn't that kind of your read on it that Jamie kind of acknowledges that Cersei's gone too far? And this fantasy that Jamie spins of, oh, yes, when the war is over, nobody will blame Cersei anymore for the way she won the war. He has to know that that's that's ludicrous. Well, I thought that the especially interesting line was that he asks that when the wars are over, do you think people will wring their hands wondering about how it all happened? I thought that that was an interesting turn of phrase for Jamie Lannister to use there. Stephen. Oh, only one hand to ring. Well, even... only one hand to oh, well, only one hand to ring. But well, let's uh, keep an eye on uh, Jamie Lannister's uh, hands and what uh, where you know what they could potentially do in the future. But uh, Stephen, yeah, I thought that there was a, a real theme uh, in this episode about this idea of imagining the possibilities. A lot of people uh, were talking about that idea of Littlefinger with Sansa especially talked about that. Uh, it was also the undoing of Tyrion, the failure to imagine what Cersei was capable. Uh, even Lady Olena regrets that the problem that she had, her biggest undoing was that she was incapable of imagining what Cersei could potentially do. And and, and you've got Danny on Dragonstone, not able to really imagine, you know, the White Walkers. And maybe she can, you know, at, at the sort of at the end of the episode, maybe she is able to imagine that. So, uh, you know, certainly one of the things that John is having trouble, right? And John, he, he John interior, Lennon. John Lennon. Uh, yeah. All uh, the imagining going on. Oh, <laughs> I was like not fo- I was not following that. No. Uh John and Tyrion, you know, have that conversation and John's like, "Why doesn't anyone get it when I talk about the dead coming back to life?" No. Oh, yes, cuz it kind of sounds crazy. So, I I agree with you and I want to talk more about this, especially when we talk about that Sansa uh Bran and Sansa Littlefinger conversations. You know, Steven, I think that there's a new Game of Thrones drinking game that do a shot every time a character uh, calls back a line that somebody once said. Uh, in the in the world of Westeros, they seem to have this amazing <laughs> long term memory of uh, Stephen Fishback. Uh, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you once said that uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like verbatim, <laughs> right? Uh, like in our one interaction, you said this one phrase. Uh, yeah. and let me bring that back and talk about that with you. Okay, so well, uh, well I want to talk about the, the the invasion before we before we move on from Casterly Rock. Do you think it's time for the castles of of this world, not just Westeros, but also Essos? To start worrying about their sewer systems, this is the second castle that's been taken by sewer systems that we've seen on this on this show. Marine also taken via the sewers. Yeah, yep. And I did find it hard to believe that Tyrion was. I mean, how long had Casterly Rock stood before? I mean, was Casterly Rock sort of like a? I mean, are the Lannisters new money where they ended up putting up this mansion and that Tyrion uh, is what thirty five uh, years old that he was in charge of building the sewer system of all of Casterly Rock? Or maybe like the sewers existed, but he like. Chipped a giant a hole in the wall. Job, you know? right. <laughs> yeah. Nobody pay attention to the people chipping a hole in the castle wall. Yeah. So we were wondering why they were actually going to uh, go after Casterly Rock. Uh, Tyrion said that that was the heart of the Lannister power. But then Cersei really outfoxes Tyrion and then moves all of the Lannister forces out to uh, take Highgarden. I mean, this was a brilliant calculation on Cersei's part. Yeah. You know, like I was saying, 
I, you know, the fact, you know, we were infuriated, right? Certainly I was infuriated. Like they, they were committing all of their forces to what seemed like a side quest, you know, going after Casterly Rock. And they're just outplayed, right? They are outplayed by Jamie and Cersei, who you know pull the 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 Rob Snow rope a dope and pull all their forces out. Yeah, and there was Jamie learning from his mistakes that uh, that Rob Stark ended up pulling. Stark Stark, excuse me. Yeah. Yes, uh, that Rob Stark ended up pulling on him. Uh, he learns from his mistakes. Were you surprised that uh, Cersei agreed to let Lady Olena off easy and give into uh, just okay? She could just have a little bit of poison. Yeah, I didn't really buy that. You know, actually, I, I what did you think that Jamie did some serious convincing or was he kind of going behind her back or well, what's going on here? Yeah, I don't know exactly. I mean, I don't know why Jamie would be an advocate for Lady Elena. I don't think that they have a, a lot of history together. I don't really remember. Um, I mean, at the purple wedding, them really having any interactions. I think Jamie just had come back at that point. So I, I don't know why he would be so fond of the Tyrells. Yeah. You know, she's been around. She's like a sassy character at the court. You know, she was in King's Landing for a while. I'm sure. I'm sure he got some appreciation for her moxie, as we all have. Perhaps, perhaps uh, yeah. he's just he's just a fan of her sass, and ultimately uh, that he decides to let her off easy with the poison. Stephen, is there any reason for us to believe? Again, this is Game of Thrones. We didn't see the body. We've had this situation before with the hound where somebody is left for dead and then they show up a season or two later. Is it possible? Do we, is is there a 1% chance Lady Elena survives this? I don't, I mean, a 1% chance. I mean, I really don't think it's very likely, uh, just because, you know, I, I think I think the reason it ended like that was because they were giving Lady Olena the final moment in her own death, right? I think that's what was so great about it, was that Lady Olena was, was poisoned, she was dying, but she still got the last word. She still got that last sucker punch, you know, telling Jamie about uh, that she's the one who killed Joffrey. Um, I think she's gone unless we see her as a White Walker in the future. Okay. Oh, she could come back <laughs> yeah. when the yeah. White Walker show. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think there's any chance that she's alive. I just wanted yeah. to just make sure there wasn't. Look, that, uh, you know, I also podcast about The Walking Dead. So I, you know, that I always like to uh, check these things before I just assume somebody is dead. Okay. So. Cersei, uh, let's just talk about all the amazing things happening for Cersei, and then we'll uh, circle back to Danny. But Euron Greyjoy marches uh, through the streets with Yara and uh, Alaria and uh, the last yeah, the last surviving Sand Snake, and uh, that he brings her back. And boy, people were really pumped up to have these prisoners walk the streets. Yeah, you know what I think? People in King's Landing, just like uh, you know, they just like to throw their rotten vegetables yeah. and then even i think i uh Euron says that right they just like they just like heads they don't care whose heads they are yeah yeah uh, i think it might have been jamie that said that of like hey they just like beheadings but steven uh cersei mm. ends up uh receiving this gift and uh that Euron is really the hero of the city at this point uh yes this was big for Euron. he comes like sauntering through the the gates of king's landing and uh you know, presents these gifts to Cersei and says, uh, you know, now now you got to be my bride. And she says, later. Yeah, And then later. he asks uh, Jamie for some advice. What, what did you make That's of that? suspect. Yeah. Uh, which, what, the love the love advice of what what is Cersei into? Yeah. Well, you're asking what, what I think she likes? <laughs> no. no what do you think of this? 
It's yeah. kind of a, an no, aggressive uh, no, move. No, no, Euron is, he has come onto the scene and uh, really made a big impression here in uh, King's Landing. And uh, he, he really likes to ruffle Jamie's feathers. You don't buy that Cersei is intending to marry him. Uh, she may, I don't think we're ever going to get to that point. I don't think we're ever seeing a wedding between Euron and Cersei. I mean, I do think that she likes the, uh, the healthy competition, but I mean, I thought it was interesting on this night of all nights that she also, uh, went back and, uh, was back romantically involved with Jamie. I believe that might be the, the first time we're seeing them back together i mean uh i mean since uh the uh, infamous uh you know night at the uh the sept with with uh joffrey's body uh i but i thought it was an interesting point for the show because she has all these things going back and then she's also all turned up uh and goes and finds jamie yeah as you said cersei's got her groove back i mean she really like she's feeling it's it. so ag- it's so aggressive the way that she goes after him and then you have like jamie who's like no it's too much i just want to cuddle um and cersei really goes for him goes for him it's really a remind you know couldn't help but think of uh, the scene with missandei and gray worm last uh, last <laughs> yeah. week uh, well and then cersei i believe that she comes right there from the the uh, i'm sorry uh poor turn of phrase uh she goes to see jamie <laughs> right after she ends up with uh talking with Hilaria san about what is the best way to kill your daughter and yeah. she ends up really uh you know uh going through a bunch of different ideas and then ultimately uh you know recreates the same after a um kyber must have done an autopsy figures out exactly the poison that was used she ends up uh kissing the uh last surviving sand snake and then is going to let her watch the, that body decompose. Did you buy that Kyburn like was able to figure that out? That seemed like a little bit. You know the 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 Dornish are, are experts in poison, and Kyburn through his. You know, how, how did he get that? Come on, uh, look. I think that probably you just have to uh, look the other way on that one. Uh, Kyburn is a uh, really uh, an amazing guy. I don't know. This is the guy who's designing crossbows. I'm not. I'm a little bit out on Kyburn. Steven, although it was interesting because if my memory serves me on this, that at the point where after Marcella passed away, I remember Cersei was talking about she she went to like a really dark place talking about like the body decomposing and talking about uh, what do you think is going is going on there? How long do you think it's going to take? So it's weird that she ends up in this revenge for Marcella's death, that this is the same sort of theme that she wants to uh, implant on Ilaria Sand. Well, and I do think it's emblematic of the way Cersei's mind works. You know, she just does go to these dark places. Well, but even worse, and I think, you know, it gets back to that, what you were talking about with this question of imagining and basically what Elena said, right, which is that I can't imagine the terrible things that Cersei can imagine. And she's just got this twisted mind. And, you know, we definitely saw that this week with making Hilaria Sand watch her daughter die and then decompose. Like, that's effed up. Well, that's why I think that Jamie must have called an audible there with the poison for yeah. uh, Lady Elena because Cersei says she stays up at night trying to think of all the different ways for her enemies to die. I feel like that that's a 
little bit boring for Cersei in terms of what she probably came up with. I think Jamie is just like, ah, all right, this is an old lady. I don't need to uh, bring her back for Cersei to torture in front of everybody. Yeah, I mean, maybe Cersei just needs a good night's sleep and she'll just be, you know, I get grouchy after one bad night of sleep. Maybe, maybe that could be <laughs> is the solution. That it? Is that it, the problem? Yeah. Well, she did say she needed new sheets, so maybe that was going to be able to help her uh, in, yeah. in her chamber. Okay, uh, also, uh, Cersei uh, has uh, got the Iron Bank back and she is uh, sweet-talking uh, those Iron Bankers, says, hey, look, do you want to be in business with Danny, a revolutionary, or do you like the Lannisters, a, na- a name that you can trust, Iron Bank. <laughs> uh, and they take they take High Garden, and you feel like that, uh, you know, to the victor goes the spoils, feel like that the Lannisters and the Crown is going to be back in business here. Yeah, it really does seem like everything is going Cersei's way. I mean, not only does she get rid of the Tyrells, you know, not only, basically, she has Euron Greyjoy now destroying uh, Grey Worm and his fleet uh, at, at Casterly Rock, but she also has this backing that she's wanted for a while, right? We've seen this kind of tension with the Iron Bank before, and this time she really finesses this interaction and really, you know, just this, the, the, the way she taught convinces this guy, you know, like you said, Danny's a revolutionary. You can't trust her. Like you can trust us. It was such a sweet, sweet moment. And the guy says, you truly are Tywin's daughter. And I, you know, what a moment for Cersei. What a character moment for her. Yeah. Now, Stephen, we know that the Iron Bank will supply gold. You know, she's a gold, gold, you know, helps you win wars. Do we see any sort of like, like, are, are there sell swords that are going to be in the mix here with, combined with the Lannister company? I think it's also armies, right? You just got to pay your, unless, you know, you've yeah, got a slave army. It doesn't work like, for free. You know, yeah, 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 exactly. All right, so we'll see you know. uh, exactly what happens uh, with the Lannister army uh, moving forward. All right, so- what, what did you make of the fact? Oh, sorry, uh, what did you make of the fact that Cersei opened the door uh, for? Uh, she did not hold the door uh, for. Hold the door. Hold the door. <laughs> when uh, she and Jamie were in bed together, she doesn't care. She's brazen. Yeah. She's like, what are they yeah. going to do? What are they going to do to me? And now she is now uh, like, uh, you know, all the Lannister uh, sigils are out in King's Landing. It's just it's Lannister time. Uh, you know, everybody can deal with it. It's Lannister time. It's Lannister time. I mean, who is going to come with a claim for the throne out of, uh, you know, anybody that's uh, in this palace intrigue in King's Landing? There's nobody that's going to come forward with a claim that say, oh, well, this is, uh, you know, incest. Right. And it, it also seems like everybody knows at this point. So they're like, yeah, whatever. I'm, but it does seem, you know, it does seem to be kind of emphasizing her carelessness, right? She's so just, she's a lunatic now, right? I mean, or is that, is that overstated? Would you say it's careless or is it just that she does not give an F at this point? But I think, I, I guess I, I see those things as being very similar. She's so drunk with power that she doesn't give an F, which is going to, you know, could expose her to mistakes. Later, although I guess, I mean, I guess you're right. Like she's at, at this the point, top you know, of her craft right now. I don't see, uh, she's at the, at the height of her power, Cersei Lannister. But it's by being really aggressive. And I think, you know, Danny conversely is so super cautious all the time. You're like, just send out the dragons. And this, you know, this episode again, she wants to go out with the dragons. You know, she's talked into not using the dragons once again. You know, Cersei's winning by going, you know, uh, 
balls to the wall, I guess. Can you say that for Cersei? Whatever the equivalent, you know. Yeah. yeah. I know she's just being uh, completely aggressive and clear on brand, and uh, she is winning. Danny is the one that, as uh, the preview uh, alludes to, too many clever plans, trying to be too sneaky. She could have won this war outright, tried to pussyfoot around too much, and it is not working. Uh, so we saw the big meeting between Daenerys and Jon Snow coming up tonight. And Stephen, did that live up to your expectations? I, I mean, of course, at first I was, you know, we want so much from this, right? As as fans, we want so much. We want like all of the information to come pouring out of each of them and then them to just like ride the two dragons into the sunset with whoever, whoever's on the third dragon. Um so of course there's like a disappointment and the tension, but I I was still giddy to see them meet. What did you think? Yeah, it was a little bit frustrating to not have them on the same page. Like you kind of wanted them to come in and be like, "Oh, I love your work. Oh, no, 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 you, you know you're great. You're great too." But it was a lot of sort of posturing. Uh, you know, you had sort of like a Masande giving all of the titles for Daenerys and going through uh, the whole list. At first, Davos was just like, uh, "This is Jon Snow." King in the North. Yeah, King in the North. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. eventually, it kind of came full circle where Davos did give all of the credentials of John, including the line about how he got stabbed in the heart by, uh, well, you know, just trust him. He's a good guy. Yeah. Well, why do you think they leave that off, Rob? I mean, that seems like a pretty important credential. Is, is it just a, a believability I factor? Know. I don't understand why. Is there a reason why they don't like they want they don't want to lead with that? They want to sort of like uh, not have people know that about him right off the jump. If I came back from the dead, I would be tweeting about that within minutes. You It'd know, that would be all card. over. It. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they think you know, you know, the whole issue for John obviously is the, his believability. And maybe saying, oh, also, I came back from the dead, like kind of stretches those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and we I thought it was uh, very fun to have, you know, uh, Tyrion greet John right at Dragonstone. Uh, when yes. He showed up. Gr- uh, I mean, and that was that was so much fun to see these two characters. Uh, John remembers word for word, uh, you know, what Tyrion <laughs> yeah. said about the White Walkers when he came up to the wall. You know what? They have no, you know, no social media, no television. Their memories are a lot better. They got much better concentration. The other and, you know, the Davos and Tyrion had a little moment as well. You know, I was, you know, on the other side in the Blackwater, you know. So I, I remember you and Josh were talking about that in one of one of your episodes this, this past week. You know, it didn't have the same tension of, oh, by the way, you're responsible for the death of my son, but there was just an acknowledgement of this shared history. Yeah. Uh, I, I forget what the setup was for it where, uh, whoa, Davos said that, you know, uh, we almost took out, to, you know, beat Cersei and we didn't even have dragons. And Tyrion's like, well, almost. That's uh, a big almost. Yeah. yeah close only a, counts in, uh, you it's know, a great line. It was a great wildfire line. and hanger Yeah. Right. Now, do you feel like that should John have bent the knee to Danny just to sort of move on with the proceedings? Definitely not, right? And I think this was such great tension between these two. You know, I, you know, in the inside the episode segment, Benioff and Weiss were talking about you have this sort of like one character who, who acts incredibly high born with all of her titles and her robes and her in her fancy seat, and then John, who's like so simple. And this, you know, John, you know, just like. Danny doesn't really believe John. Like, what? What is John? Doesn't know Danny either. Like, he doesn't know all of her tribulations. And I, you know, I 
John's representing his bros. I, I think it would have been really premature for him to bend the knee here. Um, what, what did you think that it, he should have just done it to get that out of the way and then like let's go defend the North? It's it's tough because that John does he really care about being king in the North or does he only care about beating the Knights King and the White Walkers? If that truly is his only goal, I mean, is, is it just that it? will be bad for PR when he gets back that are like, did you bend the knee? Tell us right. Did you bend the knee? Tell us right now. We, you, you bent the knee, didn't you? You didn't like, ah, yeah. like, uh, that's not important right now. So maybe just to save face, but I feel like that it really might've helped these proceedings move along. I don't know. I mean, she's, you know, she, the only argument she's making for why he should bend the knee is the fact that his grandfather bent the knee to her great grandfather, you know, and, a lot has happened since then. Yes. You know, the situation on the ground has changed a little bit. I'm very interested about the Varys and uh, Melisandre part of that, where Melisandre doesn't want to be seen by John and Davos, and for good reason, uh, after the events of the season six finale. But she told Danny, bring Jon Snow in, and then she doesn't want to actually be there with him. And so she talks about with Varys about how she is the one. She brought ice and fire together. Uh, I think that's important. And great line. Great line. And But she doesn't need to be there with them. She is going back to Volantis, but she is going to die in this strange country in Westeros, just like Varys is, Stephen. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, presumably everyone is going to die at some point, right? I didn't think that was some imminent threat on uh on her part, although it did kind of play like that. That's how Varys took it. I mean, I kind of took this as Melisandre saying, I'm going to go off the show until I am needed again at a crucial moment. It, you know, I'm, I'm explaining away my sudden departure from the series. Did you make anything more of her, like, you know, magical trip to Volantis? Well, I was making more of that she told Varys uh, of where he was going to die, that uh, she, you know, she's predicting the death of Varys. I mean, the show is so close to the end game where, right. you know, if she's saying that Varys will die on this land, you know, I don't expect Varys to survive the run of the season. Series, even if she goes to Volantis, if she disappears for the rest of season seven, she also, uh, in her last meeting with Arya, told Arya we'll meet again. So you figure that she is going to show back up at some point. Varys also is no fan of magic. So these two are at odds. I just think that there's a, a lot of interesting footholds here with uh, the story of Melisandre. Well, and it was interesting that I was Melisandre said to Varys, right, that we're not common people anymore mm-hmm. you know because Varys you know very much you know reminiscent of last episode where Varys is kind of talking about all of his common roots and this is what motivates me and I think it was Melisandre right who reminded Varys you know where you know we're, we're in the big game here mm-hmm. uh Stephen we saw then Danny and John you know it, it was so bizarre to me that John sort of has like free reign of Dragonstone and he was upset. He told Tyrion, I just want to get on my ship and they won't let him. But then Danny's walking around and John is just able to go up to Danny. I mean, in the throne room, he took one step towards Danny and the Unsullied, like, were on guard. Like, what was to stop him from wringing Danny's <laughs> neck when they were just like hanging out or like pushing her off a cliff? Yeah, maybe they were archers. I guess so, but I mean, she's dead know. at that point. 
you know? Yeah, maybe the, maybe the dragons were just like hovering there, ready to swoop in. Okay, but she does concede to him, and she lets him have the dragon glass. As Tyrion points out, let him take it. It's junk. We don't need dragon yeah, you glass. No, you don't care about dragon glass. Did you think that, so is this a win? Like, and what, what do you, how, how do you, you know, what, what's your like end result here? Net, net, like, how does this end? How did this end? Uh, I think it ends very positively for John. He's able to right. come back with a win of, hey, I've brought back all the obsidian to make our weapons. Although it did like it doesn't seem like it's just in a pile somewhere where he's just like, all right, load it on the ship. Let's move on out. And she says, okay, you can mine for the dragon glass here. So what do we have to, I mean, is Jon Snow have to like manually go down there and, uh, or does he just come back with a little bit and then we'll send in like a, a bunch of dragon glass miners to go and didn't, do the rest of the work. Didn't she say that like the people there would, would help uh, him? Oh, so the, like, they'll get some Dothraki uh, down there in the in the dragon glass mine? It's true. Like nobody on on Danny's team is really like good at mining. You know, she doesn't have the like the, the infrastructure at Dragonstone that she would need to really like run a successful mining operation. Dragon glass mining had really uh, fallen out of favor, uh, but you know, Jon Snow is intent on bringing it back. Yeah, well, you know, you got it. You got the White Walkers, but at the same, I mean, so John gets the dragon glass. You know, it seems, you know, she extends trust to him, right? It does seem like a step has been moved forward. They've stepped forward in their relationship a little bit. Still doesn't get the dragons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of the dragons, that Danny's saying, I'll go after Euron. I'll go on a mission. This is a bad idea, right? I I think it was not a bad idea. I mean, why not? She doesn't have to go, but why not send like a dragon or two? I guess no one else can ride them like someone. But 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 it was great. Like just leaving you know, the whole strategy that they have of, like, leaving Euron's fleet out there because, like, we don't want to... I don't, I don't even know. We don't want to what? Okay, so you're saying that have the dragons go out there, torch Euron's fleet, and that's one less thing that you have to worry about. I'm just concerned that for Danny, I'm sensing a pattern where first, last week, you know, she had all these different things where she had she had alliances, she had the Unsullied, she had the Dothraki, she has the dragons. It's like, well, after last week, uh, she lost her alliances uh, right. with Highgarden and Endorn. After this week, uh, it seems like the Unsullied are done for. I mean, they've taken as... they. They've taken Casterly Rock, but basically their ships are gone. They're stranded. They're not going to be able to hold Casterly Rock. So cross the Unsullied off the board. So now she's got the Dothraki and she's got dragons. I am very concerned if something happens to the dragons, Stephen. We've already seen Chekhov's crossbow. I feel like that the dragon, <laughs> this is a, not a great idea. Yeah. So you think it was not a great idea to go after the fleet. I mean, to me, this is exactly what's frustrating about Danny is that she keeps on holding back. She keeps holding back. You know, you saw Lady Elena say last week, be the dragon. And this week, once again, she is not the dragon. She doesn't go out, you know, breathe fire all over that fleet and and just destroy it. Um, and as a result, like to your point, that's it's disastrous for her. As a result, you know, the the Euron's fleet destroys Grey Worm's fleet. I don't I don't think the Unsullied are completely off the table, right? They're a land force, and they still are in like a pretty large strategic land place. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's definitely a big loss. Uh, let's uh, discuss uh, another huge story of the night, and we saw Bran return home to Winterfell. 
And again, uh, we saw finally Sansa with John last season. Here is Bran now returning home to Winterfell. And uh, he's kind of creeping out Sansa. Yeah, not the nicest guy, Bran Stark, at this point in time. I don't know if he was uh, not so nice. I thought that was a little wrong of Sansa to leave poor crippled Bran uh, by himself at the Weirwood. It's like, uh, yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go. All right, you're, you know, just leave him there, Sansa. I don't know. If someone's like reminiscing, you know, fondly almost about the night that, yeah, that you know, was she's, creepy she's that was raped. creepy he i mean have done that. totally creepy you know and like even at the very start you know bran comes out on this wagon sansa jumps on her i'm sorry on him big emotional hug and bran's like hello sansa <laughs> you know it, it was zero yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean you know zero emotional response here from bran um, you know, she mentions like, "Oh my God, I wish John were here." Like, yes, I need to speak to him. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like not, nothing going on. Yeah, you're right. I mean, in fairness to Bran, I mean, uh, he really hasn't had the uh, the best company over the years. Uh, not a great conversationalist <laughs> yeah. in Hodor. Uh, Mira Reed, you know, she's probably sick of him. Cold Hands, uh, the Three Eyed no. Raven, uh, Leaf, the Children of the Forest. You know, it, it, there's not a lot of people for Bran to really practice his conversational skills with. Yeah, that's very. I, I guess that's true. I guess true. You know, uh, it's it's been a, a tough couple of of months. He's been through some things. She's been through some things too. Not to jump around too much, but how great was it? Just you know, the scene before when you have her being like the awesome queen of Winterfell, just like you know that that armor needs more leather. You know, uh, she knows uh, she knows everything. She knows how much like how to like stock grain supplies. She knows like what's what kind of armor is comfortable in the cold. Yeah, she does really know everything. I, I'm not sure exactly how she knows all of these things that the you know <laughs> like the blacksmith doesn't know. Like, hey, you got any leather on that on that plate of armor? You people will be cold if you don't do that. I'm like, oh yeah, good thinking how many many bushels of grain we got four thousand is that enough i don't think so (laughs) what kind of operation are we running over here we need we need more grain Uh, command suits you yes yes yeah little finger uh is telling her yes that you are really uh on on top of the ball uh we didn't really see little finger up to anything shady this week steven we are now almost halfway through this season seven what's the play here for little finger i you know it's fun it it was interesting how much Every time Littlefinger said something, Sansa would just completely shoot him down. I feel like Littlefinger is trying to, you know, be Sansa's mentor. You know, obviously he has long-term designs on her in that in in a, a more romantic capacity. Uh, but you know, I think that he, ultimately he's trying to like get his in through Sansa, and she's completely rebuffing it. And then there's this amazing right moment where he you know says to her like don't fight the north or the south fight every battle everywhere always in your mind everyone is your enemy everyone is your friend every possible series of events is happening all at once and what I thought was really cool was that's basically exactly what Bran says in the next scene right like I can see everything everything that's ever happened to anyone and I you know when Littlefinger said it it sounded really cool like oh my gosh he what a, like a smart strategist he is but then when Bran says it like he literally can see everything and I wondered if that made Littlefinger if the point of that parallel was that Littlefinger's all talk Bran is actually able to do these things or I mean is that how you read it like what did you think is it, it, that's interesting uh, that uh, I have to uh, go back and watch it again to see what the juxtaposition is there but uh, I didn't connect those two uh, the first time through 
I, I think like some of the the wording is almost exactly the same. You know, uh, Brand sa- says, or I'm sorry, Littlefinger says, like every possible series of events is happening all at once. Yeah, he says, um, uh, you know, I try to transcribe as much as I can. Uh, fight every battle yeah. always in your mind. Everybody is your enemy. Everybody is your friend. Everything that happens will be something you've seen before. And Bran says, I can see everything. I can see every- everything that's happened right now. I, l- I need to learn to see better. But isn't that like yeah. basically, isn't Littlefinger basically saying to Bran? And maybe, you know, maybe this is all part of the Super Stark, which is that, you know, now Bran comes in. We, you know, Littlefinger says, like, to be a great ruler, you need this ability. Bran's like, oh, I have that ability. Uh, we'll see ultimately, uh, like, uh, Littlefinger and Bran. We will, we will see. Uh, Stephen, uh, let's touch on what's going on with Sam over at the Citadel. Uh, the big scalectomy of Jorah uh, worked. Yeah, I guess that's all it took. I guess they've cured, uh, you know, apparently all you need to do is read the book and then uh, cut off the scales and apply unguent. Yes. And uh, Jorah doesn't know anything about that. I don't either. I kind of imagine that Jorah and Sam were going to be sort of like taking off together. Jorah is just going to be off on his merry way and Sam is remaining at the Citadel. He's got books to transcribe. Yeah. Stephen, how's Sam at the Citadel playing for you? I love it. I, you know what? Every scene, I mean, they didn't up the gross factor this, no, this, down, uh, this episode. It. Yeah. Yeah. We just got like Jorah's skin, which was pretty gross. Um, Not as but, gross. But uh, I, I love, you know, Archmaester Jim, Bra- uh, uh, Jim Broadbent, and I'm, I'm, the more I see of him, the better. Yeah, they told Sam not to do it, and I think Sam was expecting a pat on the back, and what did he get? Uh, no, transcribe these books, Sam. Ah, what a bummer. These academics, you know, they're tough. You wanted a reward? Your reward is you didn't get kicked out of the Citadel. You think that they would have him work on some other grayscale patients, though, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess one, like, they got a whole row of cells. It looked like there's a lot of people that could use uh, use Sam's scalectomy help. Now, Stephen, I think that we all believe that Jorah was on some sort of a death sentence, or maybe he was going to die some sort of a hero's death and do something noble for Danny, but he appears to be now back in good health. He's going and to fine. return to Danny's side. What is the arc of Jorah? Yeah, he's fine. He's got the use of both his arms. There doesn't like he and Sam had like a nice handshake at the end of the episode. Right. Or uh, I, I, you know, you and Josh were talking about this. How you kind of wanted the grayscale to be have more of an impact. It was like way too easy, uh, and I agree. But I get you know Jorah's going back. You know. He's going to obviously, you know, back to back to Dragonstone, back to Danny. Um, and he clearly has some big role to play. But but who knows what that will be? Also, Stephen, uh, we saw Theon was uh, picked up by the Ironborn. Now, is Theon was picked up by the Ironborn that were with Theon and Yara? They didn't necessarily. Yeah, I, I, I'm imagining that's what it was, right? Like some like random ship in their fleet, like pulled him in. And it was like, well, if you're alive, you obviously didn't try very hard to, to free Yara. Is this, yeah. is, is Theon still The Ironborn, they really reek? have no use for Theon. Is, is Theon still Reek? You mean, does he identify now as Reek? Has he gone back to full Reek? I think he was only momentarily Reek. I think he still can go back to acting like Theon. But he was really cowering on the floor of that ship. You know, he wasn't like getting up and acting like a man or trying to assert command in any way. He just was writhing in agony on the floor of that ship. Yeah, I think he was probably embarrassed, but I don't think that he's like cowering in a corner the rest of the series. Right. Okay, I hope you're right. Steven, what happened to Yara? I mean, Cersei seemed uh, kind of nonplussed about the idea of getting Yara as a prisoner. Did Euron just get to keep her? It looked like Euron let her out, like let her in and then like took her right back. 
Okay, so is she just now a Greyjoy prisoner, or is she also uh, down in uh, the Black Cells? I think she's maybe a Greyjoy prisoner, and I, because she's alive, I'm assuming she does not remain a Greyjoy prisoner forever. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Do you think do you think Yara gets out and uh, leads a rebellion, or do you think Yara is done for? Uh, I don't know. Do we have enough time for Yara to have a whole another storyline? I mean, I kind of thought that maybe Theon was going to be a part of getting her out, but how's he getting into uh, you know uh, the the Red Keep? Yeah. I don't think that's happening. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Okay, anything else from tonight's episode? Or you want to get into taking some questions here about uh, this week's episode? Yeah, let's take some questions. Okay, fire away with your questions, and then uh, we will go ahead and answer them. Of course, if you want to get questions in for our voicemail show later on this week, our feedback show, GOT at postshowrecaps.com, or go to postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail. And Cynthia Flowers wants to know, is the secret of winning the White Walkers, uh, the papers on the desk of the Archmaester with all those paper mites, Stephen? Maybe there's something in one of these books that Sam is transcribing. You know, there does seem to be that every book Sam opens, he gets some like new incredible secret that like is a crucial factoid in the war against the White Walkers or defeats Grayscale. What do you think? Yeah, it does seem like that the cure to Grayscale was right there in front of everybody's noses. It doesn't seem like that there was uh, much to it. It was just like uh, Sam said, I just opened the book and I read the instructions. So it seems like if you just open the right book there, that all of the world secrets are right there to be found. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what did you think the Archmaster said? It's too dangerous. It didn't look that dangerous. What what were they doing? Maybe people did not read the complete instructions. Maybe they were using the wrong unguent. Perhaps. Okay. Brandon Fitzpatrick wants to know, are we just forgetting that Edmure Tully was sent to Casterly Rock just last season? Stephen, uh, what is the whereabouts of Edmure Tully? Uh, Will we ever find out? I actually was completely forgetting that. Um, That's a great question. What do you think? Uh, I think that we're not going to be we're worried done. about Edmure Tully. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, that's. I think that that's over. I think that we're done with all the Tullys at this point. There's not enough time to double back to that. Uh, Jonathan uh, Kraus, the great Jonathan Kraus, wants to know: Are we done with Gilly and her baby? No, absolutely not. Right? That Gilly and Sam Junior uh, will still be accompanying Sam for the uh, you know till the end of the run here. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think probably you know I, I think Sam gets out. I think he sets up a little farm with Gilly and her baby and they live you know, as happily as you can in the post-cataclysm Game of Thrones world. Stephen, what did you think about, uh, Josh and I talked about on the feedback show, this idea that Sam will one day write the Song of Ice and Fire based on the conversation he had with the Archmaester last week. And what we were talking about there was like, well, how does he get the Daenerys side of the story? And Josh and I were speculating that, oh, Jorah is going to tell him everything that happened to Danny, and that's how Sam will be able to write the Song of Ice and Fire. But it seems like that him and Jorah are going to go their separate ways. Yeah, I mean, I guess in that version of the book, there will be no Danny chapters. It'll be, you know, a lot, a lot will be missing from that. Oh, is that why they had to split up the fourth and fifth book where uh, all <laughs> the stuff happening in the East was uh, was in the fourth book? Yeah, because the fifth one was written by Sam. Yeah, so can't 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 get the Danny POV. <laughs> he didn't get all the Danny POV chapters. Yeah. All right, uh, Stephen. Uh, let's see. This is from Henry, who says, uh, "Will we see Varys run with his hands in his pockets again? Will will that ever?" Oh, that's happen? the dream. That is the dream. A good Varys run. I think we all need that. Yeah. This is a good question from Elizabeth. Are the voiceover explanations kind of feeling like storyline shortcuts? What do you think of the Tyrion narrated battle for Casterly Rock? Yeah, one of the... It was a Penny Offer Weiss, I don't remember, said in the Inside the Episode uh, segment... 
you know, the reason that they had to have Tyrion's voiceover was because you had to see what Tyrion's plan was in order to see it being foiled. I didn't really think that was true. I thought we would have gotten it. Like, okay, the Insolid are sneaking in. Like, they know about this thing. Oh, there's nobody here. Uh, they all left. Uh, I didn't love the voiceover. Uh, what did you think, Rob? Yeah, how did they sell the to the guys that were staying back at Casterly Rock? Okay, uh, you guys are going to stay here and die in the outnumbered ambush. Uh, we're taking the rest of the forces there. Uh, they sort of like hype them up, like oh, it'll be like an Alamo thing. Like you guys, you hundred guys, you'll hold Casterly Rock. It'll be great. Uh, it's impregnable. Trust us. Maybe they just didn't tell them they were leaving. They all kind of like snuck out. You know, during lunchtime or something. Maybe. Like, uh, what time are the reinforcements showing up? Uh, Seven o'clock. Okay, don't don't worry about it. Uh, They'll be there. Yeah, I did feel like that the voiceover did. I I didn't mind it, but I felt like it was there to sort of like yada yada a little bit of the battle scene and maybe, uh, you know, uh, save some expenses from from seeing the entire fight. And also from a time standpoint, you know, I figured that we were going to be seeing that battle for Casterly Rock and it was like, you know, uh, 9.55. And I'm like, oh, what are are we getting this or not? Uh, What's going to happen? Did you, how do you, I know that you said, you know, that last week that you were excited to see Casterly Rock. Did this fill your yearning for, <laughs> yeah, for the I, Rock? Yeah, I could cross it off my uh, Westeros passport that we've seen it. That, High Garden is so nice. It's got such a nice giant. That's garden. where I would live. That's where I would live. In, uh, yeah, High Although the, the, the la- under Lannister rule, it may just go to hell. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Daniel, do you think that the key to beating the White Walkers is to have Bran creep out the Night's King? <laughs> he can give him an awkward hug, and that would just be like, oh God, you know, they'd flee north. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. He'd be like, uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, Night's King. Oh, I, I remember. I saw that one time you got stabbed with dragon glass. It was yeah. such a nice day. The weather it was, was a perfect. Cold day. It was yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it was perfect. You look so handsome. Like, oh, yeah. stop creeping me out, Bran. <laughs> okay. And uh, let's see if there's any other questions. Uh, Ken, uh, this is uh, Who told Tyrion, give me 10 good men and we'll impregnate uh, that bitch? Uh, Bronn said that. I believe that was about the veil. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, and then Jason said, uh, Can Jamie's conversation with Elena start to drop? Draw him away from Cersei, or is this a lost cause? Stephen, is this the beginning, uh, or maybe the uh, early beginnings of Jamie uh, turning against Cersei? I, you know what? I've been waiting for Jamie to turn against Cersei, and this scene actually kind of moved me in the opposite direction. I thought the way that he was so committed to Cersei, in spite, you know, there wasn't any give. You know, Elena was like, she's terrible. She's done all these crazy things. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, and like she can see that he loves her. You know, in their sex scene, we had her like, look, we had, sorry, we had him like gazing at her while she was sleeping with his like loving eyes. And uh, then like she, you know, immediately gets up and like gives him a smooch and like pieces out. I think, I think Jamie is definitely, for now, it seems like he's in it. What did you think? Do you, do you, yeah. do you think he's going to turn? Um, I, I do think he will turn against eventually. her eventually, yeah. but I don't think that there was anything that Lady Olena said that was going to particularly move him. I mean, when she was talking about uh, about how she's a monster, um, you know, he wasn't like, oh, uh, actually, uh, what do you mean by that? Why, why, I'm, I'm curious to know why do you right, why do exactly. you think that? Is that do other people think that also? Is that just you? Uh, you know, he's you know saying like I you know. Um, 
he was questioning the source also. And even when she ends up revealing about how she ended up murdering Joffrey, I got to feel like his takeaway from that is like, boy, it seems like Cersei was right to hate this uh, miserable person. Yeah, it, it's not like that moment is going to somehow you know change his opinion. It's like you're saying, it's just going to reinforce his opinion and like draw him probably closer together yeah. with Cersei. Maybe everybody is out to get us. Maybe Cersei does have a point. So I do think he will turn, but I don't know necessarily if uh, Lady Olena ended up moving uh, that ball forward. All right, Stephen, uh, great job tonight. Uh, this has been so much fun to go through everything uh, once again from uh, another episode of Game of Thrones. And believe it or not, I, this is now uh, only four episodes left. Wow, it's crazy. We're almost at the halfway point of the season. Halfway through the next episode, we're going to be at the halfway point of, the, of this season. Okay. Stephen, you have a hashtag for tonight? The only thing I wrote down was you know- a hashtag Lone Tyrell. <laughs> Okay, I'm into the Lone Tyrell. Yeah, okay. Uh, I would watch that show, you know, Willis. Sounds good, sounds good, yeah. What's she talking about, Willis Tyrell? Yeah, come on, let's, no, all right. Sounds good. All right, of course, uh, Josh Wiggler and I will have the deep dive. Josh Wiggler is going to be uh, getting into uh, everything that he will uncover uh, as uh, much like uh, everybody at the Citadel. He will just be uh, going through tons of information and processing it uh, like Sam, and he'll be telling us what's what. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at Round Howard, for everything he's going to file at The Hollywood Reporter over these next 24 hours, and then we will have our voicemail feedback show coming up later on this week. Send in those emails, G at posterrecaps.com or posterrecaps.com slash voicemail. And of course, we do appreciate all your feedback and your star ratings on iTunes uh, all through the season. Postshowrecaps.com slash GOT iTunes. And of course, you can follow the great Stephen Fishback on Twitter. He's at Stephen Fishback. Yeah, and Rob Sesternino at Rob Sesternino. There you go. All right, Stephen, yeah. so much fun. Looking forward to getting into it again uh, with you next week. Take care, everybody. Have a great night. Bye. Bye, guys.